With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the don't view system, deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Now serving B24 at DMV window number seven. Okay, Jim, we're next in line. Perfect, Jim. Things are going very smoothly. You remember the cell phone bill? Yes, and the birth certificate. Nice. We'll have a real ID in no time. That's right. Ready to fly to Carla's graduation and then the big game. Real great work, Jim. You too, Jim. Excuse me, are you talking to yourself? Now serving B25 at window number 10. That's our cue, Jim. Excuse us. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. everybody and welcome to the cop table podcast live tonight on lfc day trippers in association with the at liverpool online twitter facebook and instagram pages tonight we are going to be previewing the burnley versus liverpool game this coming weekend at turf more joining me once again we have jay riley you can catch jay on the radio city Fan Friday talk show and regular with us on the cop table. So thanks again, Jay. How are you? Hi, mate. Yeah, not too bad. You know, another good win at the weekend, top of the table, and looking forward to this game now at the weekend. Yes, which we'll be uh, talking about very shortly. Also joining me tonight, we haven't got a, a Burnley guest with us. Natalie was unavailable. Our usually our usual guest there, uh, should I say? So joining me is uh, Gav Doyle from the LFC Day Trippers Fatback Four Daily Podcast. Uh, uh, thanks for coming on, Gav. How are you? Good, good. Great to be a guest on something for once. Um, <laughs> I'm sick of listening to myself at this stage. Yeah. So the uh, the tables have turned slightly tonight. Absolutely. So 
Yeah, so what we're going to start off with, I know it's, um, we did speak a little bit about it last night on, on the on the day trips, didn't we, Gav? Just a little bit about the Bobby Duncan story that's, that's been in the, the headlines today, Jay. Um, seems to be a lot of this has been made of it from from his agent's point of view. Um, just give us your your take on the on the whole episode that's played out today, please, Jay. I think it's quite embarrassing. I think he's been poorly advised, and to tell you the truth, I never thought he was ever going to make it at Liverpool anyway. So I just think it's a non-story. I think it's daft. I mean, if he thinks he's going to move on to bigger things, then you know, fair play, but. For me, I just think it's stupid. He's being badly advised and he just needs to get his head down. And the only worrying aspect of it is he's sort of like, it's sort of like dragging the club's name through the mud, isn't it? By, you know, shouting mental health and all that. I mean, you know, I know that's a, a very serious subject, but, you know, what's his agent playing at? Like introducing that type of terminology and that word because, you know, that's quite serious, isn't it? And, you know, the problem is the knock on yeah. effect of that is the lad's career could suffer massively because of, you know, them them key words really, you know, mental health. It's not good at all. And it's as I say, bad publicity for the club really as well. And it's absolutely a nonsense because, you know, he's a young kid. Is he on seven thousand pounds a week, something like that? You know, if he if he can't live on that type of wage, then, you know, what is going on in football? I mean, to me, whenever I've watched him, he looks okay, quite raw. Lacks a bit of pace. Don't think he was ever going to make it at Liverpool. Quite a few players ahead of him in the pecking order. And I just don't really know what he's trying to achieve by basically allowing his agent to, to run with this. And, you know, as I say, the key terminology of it all, it's it, it leaves himself open now for, you know, clubs are going to be looking at it thinking, hmm, is it, is it really wise to, to try and take this lad? Because, yeah, he might have a little bit of raw ability, but, he seems to have a bit of a bad attitude and he's coming across as a little bit of a troublemaker now and maybe the lad isn't like that, I don't know, I don't know him from Adam but it doesn't bode well for the lad, does it? Because it does look like he could be a bit of a trouble causer and, you know, the way I see it now, the sooner we get the, the lad out the club, the better. Yeah, it's it's pretty much what me, myself and Gav were speaking about last night, Jay, on the on the Trippers podcast when we were sort of we didn't know the, the full story at the time and it just seems now that he, he's been very badly advised and um there's been all sorts of arguments going on uh, Twitter through, from Jamie Carragher and, and other people. So um we're gonna park that one up for, for the time being because I know Gav's gonna uh, continue with with that, with that story on his um, on his Fatback Four Daily podcast after our show, so uh, gonna talk a little bit about last weekend's game. Starting off with you, Gav Arsenal three three one victory. Give us your thoughts on the on the game as a whole, the performance, and um, how you thought the 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 game went, please. You know what, um, I've watched this game back twice, and well, I watched the live and watched the back once after that, and. I'm I'm going to be honest with you, you know, the likes of Sky and other media outlets uh, talked up Arsenal a lot before the game, during the game, even after the game. You know, um, they're 3-1 down and Gary Neville is saying it's a positive result for Arsenal, all things being considered. Um, Arsenal are meant to be a big club and they're 3-1 down and they weren't really in the game. There are two mistakes from us that led to um, one, one kind of half chance or one clear-cut chance. Um, overall, I thought Liverpool dominated. 
um, for the vast majority on, until they took their foot off the pedal a little bit with about 15 minutes to go. Um, from 45 to 70, I think Liverpool clicked into probably toward maybe fourth gear. But to be honest with you, if Arsenal had a score that consolation as it was, say on 60 rather than rather than 80, um, I think Liverpool had another gear or two to go up and, and put them away. We're miles ahead of Arsenal. Um, anybody that thinks different is, is and, and I, I mean Arsenal fans, but it's anyone that thinks different is, is deluding themselves. Um, the, the, their midfield was overrun, outrun, outfought, um, outtaught. Um, their back line were terrified of their front three, and rightly so. And any of the chances they had, the major, they had, they scored one, and they probably had two chances, maybe three, and two of those came from mistakes. Must. Overall, the Liverpool performance, I give it about a 7 out of 10. As I said, I think we have gears to go up. And I think we will go up the gears as the season progresses. Um, I'd like to see us use the squad a little bit more after the international break. But just on Saturday alone, uh, good win, good three points, and as routine as you can get against a top six side. Yeah, it was a very good three points, wasn't it? So we're going to be um, moving on to what looks like... Uh, a tough game away at Burnley this weekend. So, Jay, um, looking forward to this game. Obviously, Burnley's got a got a midweek game, haven't they, tonight? I'm not too sure how they're getting on in uh, in the league cup. But just looking forward to the game. How do you see um, Jurgen Klopp approaching this in terms of if player rotation? Do you see him sort of mixing it up slightly from the weekend, or do you see with an international break coming up, does he go full strength again? How do you think he's going to play this one, please, Jay? Well, I think it'd be an absolute joke if he mixed it up too much because there's no reason whatsoever to play a weakened team from the side that played against Arsenal because we've had seven days break. So, you know, straight after this, we've got an international break. So, massively important that Liverpool try and register the three points against Burnley. I think, you know, obviously Burnley are a very difficult side to play against. We've seen it last season, really, where they had a poor start, but I put that down to the Europa League campaign. It started so, so early on for them and it doesn't have perfect teams and they just never got going but then when you got to the turn of the year in 2019 their form's been very good to be honest with you and they've got a, a real powerhouse up front in Ashley Barnes and people probably do him a little bit of a disservice really and say he's a, he's a bit of a yard dog up front but for me I think he I think he's a good centre forward he scores all types of goals and he's going to cause us some problems at the weekend in my opinion he's certainly one to watch out for and you know, but going back to the Liverpool team, I mean, absolutely no reason whatsoever why the, the team should be changed for me. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll go with the same back line. Joel Matter really, there's always the dilemma of who do you go with to partner Virgil van Dijk. Is it going to be Joel Matter? Is it going to be Joe Gomez? But for me, you know, Joe, Joel Matter's done quite well at the start of the season, got his goal against Arsenal. On Saturday, and you know, Joe Gomez, when he's he's had games against Norwich and against Chelsea in the Super Cup, it's looked a little bit ropey, to be honest. So there's no reason why Joel Matip shouldn't continue his partnership with Virgil Van Dijk. The midfield, I mean, the front three speaks for itself, doesn't it? With uh, Firmino, Salah, and Mane, it's always the midfield area, though, as, as well that like you look at. Um, but I could, I've got to, you know you've got to look at it and say Fabinho was absolutely outstanding against Arsenal. He just ran the show in the middle of the park for me, and he should get the nod. Jordan Henderson's been playing quite well in his new role in midfield as well, so there's no reason why he shouldn't start the game. The dilemma then is 
will it be, you know, Genie Wijnaldum had a good game against Arsenal, but in the away game, sometimes he tends to go missing a little bit. So whether or not he might miss out and Milner could come into the side because what you've got to look at is against Burnley, it's going to be very combative, isn't it, in the middle of the park? And they are going to bombard us as well with, you know, like obviously aerial balls into the box. They're going to clearly going to try and test Adrian. And that does concern me a little bit, to tell you the truth, because... If you look back to last season's game against Burnley at Turf Moor, Joe Gomez got an injury, didn't he, playing out of position at right-back. And please, God, let's hope we don't see that on Saturday. We, Trent Alexander-Arnold's got to play right-back, obviously Robertson at left-back. But what, I'm, what I am a bit concerned about is if you look back to that game in December against Burnley, I think the game was finally poised at 1-1. And Alisson made an unbelievably world-class save, basically in the top corner. And from the resultant counter-attack, Liverpool went down the other end and went two on up. Now, if a similar scenario happens, you just don't see Adrian. He's just nowhere near as good as Alisson. I mean, we've already seen it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think he's an adequate goalkeeper. He's a decent number two. But the worry I've got going into this game is they're going to bombard Liverpool and going to try and target him. And he's nowhere near to the levels of Alisson. And the worry is already so far in his Liverpool career, has been a couple of little incidents where you know it just unsettles the back line. I mean, the, the one that he gifted to Southampton, Danny Ings scored. Even you can look to the one against Arsenal as well, where you know he came off his line. It was a poor clearance, really. Obama Yang should really have scored. We were fortunate, really. It just went the other side of the post. But that's what I'm saying. He creates that little bit of uncertainty. And that's not me having having a dig at the lab because we all know Alisson's the top-class goalie. He's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, one of the world's best. So it's always going to be a little bit of a come-down with your number twos between the sticks. But it's not just about that. It's more about the fact that he's not really had that much time to work with the defenders in front of him. So that's an issue as well. And when you're coming up against the sides like... You know, like Burnley, especially at Turf more. I am expecting a little bit of bombardment from them. So I do expect it to be a tough game at the weekend on Saturday against Burnley. I really do. Brilliant. Cheers, Jay. Yeah, so over to you then, Gav. Just a couple of uh, questions in, into the chat room. Um, Mick was... was sort of alluding to a couple of changes that he, he thinks that might happen. He, th- he thinks that Trent might get a rest ahead of the international break and uh, uh, Gomez will come in and he also thinks that Genie Wijnaldum may come in for uh, may James Milner should I say should come in for, for Genie Wijnaldum um, how do you see Klopp playing this one Gav do you see him making a couple of changes in light of this international break that's coming up obviously we think that Trent will be going with England if, if they're playing and um, when Alden will be going away with, with Holland. So the lads who are likely to be playing on that international break, do you see Klopp resting them with the, with that in hindsight? Well, I think I've said it for a while. I think Liverpool should start um, making up injuries for their players when it comes to international duty. Um, plenty of other teams get away with it, and we seem to be a little bit too coined when it comes to internationals. Um, but I agree with Jay. I, I think mixing it up too much is... Um, you're looking for you're looking for trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. I think our squad is fantastic. I think if we if we we were to change two or three, I'd still be very confident with with Liverpool going to Burnley and Torfmore on Saturday evening and winning the game. But we have two weeks off after this. You know, you have to forget international football. Um, it's none of your business. Uh, apart from making sure your players don't come back injured. 
um, which we haven't got a great record with. They seem to come back with niggles. But for me, I know where Kevin Sullivan's coming from, maybe change one or two. But, but if you look at the side that went out there against Arsenal on Saturday evening, they must be absolutely buzzing, every, every single one of them, going out and putting on a performance like that. Although I did say we weren't, we were probably at 75 80%, but to still go out and do that against an Arsenal side, uh, I don't see, like, I'll put it to this way, if this was after the international break and everybody, or like two games after the international break and everybody came back fit, I think he'd go with what he went with on Saturday. Um, you know, Burnley is, a, is, you know, historically a, a tough place to go. Uh, as Jay's pointed out there, we went 1-0 down there last season. Milner got us back in the game. Allison makes that save and we, uh, I think at 2-1 and we wouldn't make a 3-1 with Shakiri and, and, and settles the game. Um, but it's, it's a historic... Historically, it's a difficult place to go to. It's half five on a Saturday. They started the season quite well. I think they beat Southampton on the opening day. They were unlucky against Arsenal. They put in a good shift against Arsenal. Um, and I think they were done with a 97-minute penalty against Wolves that the, away from home that denied them all three points. If you look at the team they put out tonight in the Carabao Cup, I think they're losing about 3-1 to, to Sunderland the last time I checked. But a lot, I don't think a lot of them players will play on Saturday. So they've rested a lot and looking to go for, full strength against us. And I think we should be putting out the strongest possible event team. Having said that, I'd see where this show from Milner and maybe Oxley chamberlain comes from. Um, I wouldn't put Gomez right back. I don't agree with it. I never agree with it. Um, so if there was to be a change, I think there might be one in midfield. And it would be Milner or Oxley chamberlain or Wijnaldum or Henderson. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I wouldn't be touching the front three or, or the back four. The only places where I'd be making changes as well would would possibly be the, the midfield. But um, we shall see how that goes on Saturday. But yeah, I agree what you were saying about um, historically going to Burnley as well. It's been, been a tough place previously and I remember the game when I think we had about 80% possession and we went down to a to a 2-0 defeat so it says it all um, when we can dominate games there and, and get a defeat we're going to have to be uh, 100% concentrated and um, effort to, to come away with the three points so just moving um, on to another subject that's come up uh, recently in the press is the, the situation with, with Jurgen Klopp and his, his contract. I'd like to get your thoughts on it first, Jay. Um, there's been a few murmurings, hasn't there, about people asking him, uh, I think it's the, the kick of the German press, is it? Or, or Build, one of them uh, outlets over in Germany. I've asked him a couple of times now about his, his future at Liverpool and he seems to have said a couple of times that uh, once this this contract's up, he's gonna he's gonna weigh up the situation, and he he could take um take a year or two out before the side and his next move. Um, if he does see his contract, that'd be another three seasons from now, wouldn't well including this season, three seasons. So, um, what's your thoughts on on the the reports coming from Germany, Jay? And um, what's what do you think? Do you think he, do you see him staying for another couple of years on top of what he's already got? I just find it all very baffling because, you know, Jose Mourinho, for an example, as a manager, he always has three stints at football clubs. So that this is this is like the equivalent of when Mourinho first took over at Man United and had played three or four games into this, this you know, the new season as manager at United. An article coming out. And reports coming out saying, "Oh, Jose Mourinho is going to go in three years' time, and when he's had his third year at United, he's, he's going to be off." Why is it even a story? We've got three years left of this manager. He's been he's been at the club four years. He's got another three years left. 
let's just enjoy the three years. And in that time, he could sign a new contract in January. He could sign a new contract at the end of this season. He could sign a new contract at the start of the following season. He could sign a new contract when he's got a year left. I don't get it. To me, it's just mischief making and just trying to unsettle us. I mean, there's two sides to it, though. It makes you wonder why it's got out there in the media and why this is being made a big deal of. Because for me, as an outsider looking in, I'm thinking it's just mischief making, just trying to unsettle things. Surely to God, I mean, why is it even a story? He's got three years left on his contract. If he had 18 months left... I'd start worrying a little bit and I'd start thinking it was an, a serious issue. The man's got three full seasons left at Liverpool Football Club. Let's just enjoy the ride because it's been great so far. Capped it off last season with winning the European Cup. We know this season we're going to be there for the big trophies again. You know, We all want to win the Premier League. We nearly won it last year, but for a freak Manchester City side. Hopefully this, this season is our year. But if it isn't to be, I'm sure we'll be there or thereabouts for the European Cup as well. So... You know, let's just enjoy it. I just think it, it's farcical, really, that it's even a it's even a story. And and I do and I genuinely do think it's just mischief making. You know, Jurgen Klopp is is as happy as can be at Liverpool at this moment in time. And if he decides in three years' time, he'll have given us seven years of his of his life. And you know, if he decides then he wants to have a sabbatical and he wants to have a year out, then then fine, then so be it. You know what I mean? He might want to go back to his homeland and manage his country, maybe, might want to manage Germany, might he, you know, in a few years' time, who knows? But I just think it's it's absolutely ridiculous. To me, it, it's it's a non story and just let's enjoy the next three years of Jurgen Klopp and what will be will be and hopefully he'll add a few more big trophies to the you know, to the trophy cabinet for Liverpool and, and if he does go in three years' time then you know, so be it. Like, and it'll be a sad day, but you move on, don't you? I just think when there's three years left, it, it's ridiculous, really. Just let's enjoy the ride. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Jay. So, yeah, Gav, is that something um, that you go along the lines with there, what Jay's saying? Just to get a, a couple of points from the from the chat room, Kev O'Sullivan says he seems to think it's... It's the German FA who will be leaking this information as they want him to be their manager in, in the future. Um, is that something that, that you'd uh, agree with as well, Gav? Well, Jürgen Klopp arrives at Liverpool in 2015 and he signs, I'm going to say, a five-year deal with Liverpool. Um, I could be wrong, it could have been four, but I think he, he's added one extension to that since, um, if I'm right, and that brings him to 2022. Um, a couple of weeks back there was rumour or probably a little bit, little bit over that there was rumour that Jurgen Klopp had agreed a deal with Liverpool to extend his, his contract beyond 2022 they were talking maybe two possibly a three year extension um, that didn't come to fruition how true the rumour was um, that he was very close to signing or had it been agreed um, we don't know um, so this, as Jay said, it's, it seems to be a bit, bit scaremongering, mischief-making. You know, a manager is supposedly signing an extension and a month later it hasn't been signed. Ah, well, he must want to leave in three years' time. Um, I agree with Jay. If if he goes in three years' time, um, and I think he, he can walk away in three years' time as, you know, adored by the Liverpool fan base, and rightly so. Um, if he walked away tomorrow, he would be adored by the Liverpool fan base, and rightly so. I think if he added the European Cup and a league title in the next in the next three seasons, um, nobody would begrudge him walking away. Seven years seems to be his number, um, but he has said in the past that yes, he done seven at Mainz, yes, he done seven at Dortmund, 
but Liverpool is a club that he could see himself going beyond the seven years for because it just really feels like home to him. It feels like the club that was made for him, the city, the fans, um, the, the, the players he gets to work with, the staff he gets to work with, you know, the whole atmosphere around the club itself. So I, I, I agree with Jay. There's three years to go on this current deal. We don't know whether he'll sign another one. We don't know whether in a year's time he decides he's had enough and he leaves. We really don't know, and and it's not our place to know. Let's be honest; it's a, it's a man's personal uh, feelings and an opinion and, and decision in life. So, look, uh, when it gets to the January twenty twenty one, and he has eighteen months left, I, then I'll start to wonder what what's really going on. Um, but until then, I'm just going to go and enjoy the ride for what it is. Because um, when he came in, we had a manager that was all over the place, and he's come in. He steadied the ship and he's made us into, from my opinion, the best team in Europe. Um, we're absolutely financially brilliant at what we do. We're successful on the pitch and I think that's going to grow. So I'd leave the Jurgen Klopp stuff aside and I, I wouldn't come back near it for about 14, 15 months. Okay, spot on. Cheers, Gav. Okay, just looking forward again, once again, then to the to the Burnley game. Um, the Arsenal... The, the tactics in that game were, was much different, I thought, to the to the previous two Premier League games where we was pressing high once again. It, it seemed that we played this sort of two at the back, five in midfield, um, and then the front three ahead of them. So obviously going into an away game, it's it's a different it's a different type of fixture. So tactical wise, Jay, how do you see Jurgen Klopp lining up? Uh, with his formation and um, do you still see the, the, the high pressing game or do you think he's going to just sit back a little bit in this one and then and try and hit them on the break what, what's your thoughts on the on the tactical approach from Klopp this weekend please well I don't think we're going to sit back against Burnley whether it's at Anfield or Turf Moor do you because they're not that type of team are they if anything Liverpool are going to have a lot of possession and you'd even said yourself before when Liverpool went there and lost 2-0 when we had 81% possession or something, whatever it was. So it's Burnley the ones that are going to be worrying about Liverpool more. So what Burnley will try and do to Liverpool is is try and bombard us really and try and look to the channels to, you know, we live, teams against Liverpool always tend to try and target Trent Alexander-Arnold. But, you know, what certainly what Sean Dyche won't do is what Unai Emery done at Anfield last weekend because... What he was doing playing a diamond formation against Liverpool's fullbacks was just absolute suicide. And Liverpool just second half in particular, I can't believe Liverpool never put five or six past Arsenal because some of the football in the first half we, we were by far the better team, but Arsenal did have a couple of little opportunities on the break. But in this in the second half, Liverpool were just totally dominant. Come out the blocks quick. Got two goals, Salah scored a penalty, then scored an absolute wonder goal. And I was just left a little bit disappointed because we should have added to the scoreline. We should have put another couple past them at least. But I thought it was suicide by Emery. Now, Sean Dice will certainly not play anywhere near to them levels because he's, he's, he's not soft, you know what I mean? He knows the time of day. They're going to be very well organised. They're also going to try and nullify Liverpool's threats from wide areas. But I expect Liverpool, It's as you say, it's an away game now, so it's slightly different to a game at Anfield where, yeah, we still will have the lion's share of possession, but I don't think he can play the same type of tactics that he played against Arsenal. The onus will be a little bit more on Liverpool to sort of like force the issue because, you know, I expect Burnley to sit deep really and like Liverpool have to break them down. 
But, you know, I do think, you know, it's like anything else, isn't it? Liverpool are playing probably a team that's going to finish in the bottom half this season. And, you know, it's not going to be easy because we've just spoken about before. It's notoriously a difficult place to go to if more. And Liverpool have come unstuck there in the past. But, you know, last season we did get a good victory there. And I just think, you know, Liverpool should go there with confidence after the victory against Arsenal. But... I do expect it to be a different kettle of fish going to Burnley than it is a game against Arsenal at home because you might look at it and say, well, Arsenal are the top six sides trying to break into the top four, but they're so open, they're so easy to play against, whereas Burnley is is totally different because they'll make it difficult for Liverpool on Saturday. Yeah, and just your your thoughts on the on the tactical side of things as well, please. Gav, um, I know that the the lad on the on the left hand side for Burnley who's played, um, I think his name's McNeil. He had a very good game at Anfield, didn't he? And um, the, like Jay said, they're probably going to look down that left hand side, aren't he, and try and get a little bit of joy from from him and getting crosses into the box. So, how do you see um, Klopp lining this one? Possibly against a could be a, a four five one from from Burnley. It could be one of them where we're having to to break them down and and be patient. So just give us your thoughts on uh, Jurgen Klopp's tactical approach, please, uh, Gav. Yeah, I think I think Burnley will go with something like along the lines of a four five one. Um, you'll probably see the back four being very rigid. Um, the full backs definitely keeping an eye on on Salah and Mane. Um, their midfield, you, you, you'll probably see, it might even be 4-2-3-1. They might sit too deep to watch to watch for, um, you know, if it's, say, for argument's sake. For me, no dropping uh, deep. Yeah, and stuff, stuff like that. But as well as that, <clears throat> Liverpool are going to look for Henderson and Wijnaldum to be further ahead of Fabinho to make things, kind of, to create things and, and put a good tempo on Liverpool's play. Um their, their wingers, McNeil, I know, yeah, he did have a good game against us at, at Anfield last season. But I can see he's going to have... The way Liverpool play the majority of the time, himself and the right winger are probably going to be told to, to literally make sure that the air fullbacks don't get beyond them. They will probably try to congest the, the, the sides of the pitch um, where we can hurt them. So it, it's it's up to... I think Firmino is going to be massive in this game because when you do congest can make it congestive in in <clears throat> on the left and right hand side. This is where Firmino comes into his own, getting little balls in off the fullbacks, off the likes of Henderson, Wijnaldum, and <clears throat> and excuse me, and Tony, and then opening up the play. Um, tactically, Liverpool was, I think that they'd be quite happy to to go, you know, man for man over the pitch and and win their own battles and, and come out on top. You'll see Van Dijk and and Matip probably facing up against Ashley Barnes and trying to look after him while the while the rest of the team go and try to win the game. I, 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 all I can see is a 4-3-3 from us. I think we have to back ourselves to be to be good enough, and we are good enough to go to go and win this game. But the teams from Borley, um, they're going to be high tempo. I don't think they're going to press us high up the pitch, and I don't think we're going to press them either. I don't see us playing a massively high-pressing game this weekend. I think, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to make this... Uh, you know, a, a stretched out pitch where they're going to be able to hit long balls all the time. We're going to want to cover our centre halves if they are going up against long balls. So our midfielders will be have to be close to them. I think we just have to back ourselves that when we have the ball to do enough with it, and when we don't, to be solid enough. And I think, to be fair, we have that in abundance in both areas. So, four three three from Liverpool. I think a four five one from Burnley. Um, and yeah, just back ourselves to go and win the game. 
Good stuff. And um, yeah, Kevo Sullivan's making uh, a point that he, he there could be um, a change in midfield with Oxlade Chamberlain to help break them down. Um, Elder Mel says that. I think he should make a number of changes and I think our high line will be an advantage in, in this one. Um, he also goes on to say they won't have the clever little balls and runners in behind. So yeah, thanks for the, for the comments into the, into the chat room there, lads. So um, just before we, we go, I'm going to get a, a score prediction from, uh, from you two lads going into the game. So Jake, your first up, give us your, your score prediction and your, your, your reasons then, please? Well, I mean, it'd be lovely if Liverpool could get another three points because after this, it's an international break and four wins out of four would be great, wouldn't it? Going into that little break before we play Newcastle, I think it is after that, isn't it? But I just, I, I can't get it out of my head from what happened last season when Alisson was very important in this game. He made a fantastic save. I can't remember whether it was 1-1 at that stage and we went 2-1 up on the counter-attack after the save or it was already 2-1 to mm. Liverpool. It was 2-1 at the time, been, Was it 2-1 yeah, at the yeah. time, yeah. It was a vital save anyway. It was, it was genuine world-class. It was an unbelievable save and I don't think many other keepers would have been able to make that save, to tell you the truth. Certainly not Adrian. And it does concern me a little bit this weekend because, yeah, of course, I expect Liverpool to control large parts of the game. I expect Liverpool to create a few chances and I'm sure we'll score a goal or two. But I am concerned that they will try and bombard Liverpool a little bit and get a bit of joy. And it's not the easiest of places to go to. And it's easy for us as fans to just sit here and just say, yeah, we'll win every single game between now and May. But it doesn't quite happen like that, does it? And every now and then, you know, you end up dropping a point here and there or you or you, you'd even lose a couple of games. You know, we only lost one last season, but there's been times when Liverpool have lost six or seven in seasons gone by. So I, I think we this is a potential banana skin for Liverpool. I really do. If you look at Burnley's form so far this season, very unfortunate last week they could have had another three points there against Wolves and that's a tough place to go Wolves and you know a 97th minute penalty which was quite debatable as well um, they gave a very good account of themselves at the Emirates against Arsenal in my opinion I don't think they deserve to lose that game but you know they lost 2-1 on the day and very unlucky and on the opening day of the season they beat Southampton 3-0 a team that Liverpool have also played this season and we won 2-1 against them which Basically, I suppose it did flatter Southampton because of the mistake by Adrian, but you know, Liverpool were in cruise control in large parts of that second half. But, you know, there's the yardstick. You know, they beat them 3-0, Liverpool beat them 2-1, albeit we were away from home. I just think it's going to be a tough game. And, you know, Adrian doesn't convince me at all yet. And I just think he, he might unsettle the back line a little bit too much for my liking. And this is a tough place to go. So I'm going to surprise a few people here, but I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Yeah, very surprised myself there, Jay. Um, it's not often that you, you predict a, a draw on the cop table, so um, we'll mark that down and we'll, we'll see how that one goes at the weekend. So, Gav, give us your thoughts on a, a score prediction and your reasons for them, please. I think Jay is a disgrace to start. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I know where he's coming from. Um, it's a difficult place to go. Half five on, on, on a Saturday... Um, you know, as much as we go on about Anfield at half five on a Saturday, as the uh, you know the darker evenings kind of come up quickly on us, um, Torfmore can can rock as well. 
I suppose when when it comes down to it. Um, uh, I know where he's coming from with the goalkeeper. Um, I think he makes a mistake against Southampton um, the week before last that leads to a goal. He confuses Van Dijk a little bit on Saturday and it leads to a chance from Aubameyang. Um, but I'm hoping that... Uh, other than that, I think he's done all right. I'm just hoping that those sort of things... One was just a, a flat-out mistake. One was a lack of communication. But listen, be you no doubt about it. Virgil van Dijk has told him who the boss is after that game and I don't think you'll see him doing that again. So I'm hoping that... Um, I hope that you know that these things are, are ironing themselves out as we go week on week and it hasn't cost us yet. With regards to a score prediction, um, I'm going 4-1 to Liverpool. Um, I do feel Burnley will try to get at us. I th- feel they will score. I don't know whether they would score first, whether they might get one back or whether it'll be a consolation. I do see us conceding. You know, it'll either be a cracker or a really unfortunate goal. Um, I can't see Burnley opening us up. With regards to us scoring four, I just think Mane's had a week off and looked good against Arsenal. Um you know, for a guy that's been had so much football over the last year, he's had another week's rest now. Um, Firmino's come back from the Copa America looking ten times the player he looked when he when he came back from the World Cup last season. Stalas played right through the summer and just looks he looks an angry man and I love that. He looks like he knows how good he is now. He looks like he's back to the player we've seen in seventeen, eighteen. Um our midfield is buzzing, Fabino is flying. You know, the centre-halves, although the goalkeeper changed, Matthew's been outstanding and Van Dijk is Van Dijk. So, I, I can see Liverpool scoring plenty of goals. So, I'm going to go with a 4-1 win and I'm actually going to go with a man I hat on, on as part of that. 4-1 for Gaff. Excellent stuff. Yeah, my own thoughts on the game. Like you, you have both said, it's a, it's a very difficult ground to go to it's the crowd are very close to the pitch they can they can generate a real um, atmosphere there especially if they if they go ahead in games and the crowd can be very lively indeed and and can can scare position teams but i just think that liverpool um these days they're the they're, they're a solid outfit from from back to front obviously there, there is a few concerns like jay alluded to uh, over here and, and I, I agree with them totally. There's been one or two occasions where yeah, the heart's been in the mouth and I've thought, you know, what's he doing type of thing, similar to what Mignolet M- M- used to do. And it's a ground where, where someone where, um, where the ball and out of play, he's <laughs> yeah. kicked it and went behind the line. So, yeah, yeah it, it's it's not a, an easy place for, for a goalkeeper to, to play football. So, yeah, I, I just think that um, going in, into this game into, with the international break, we can go four, four out of four. I just think he's got that another week's training behind him. I think the defence will be a lot more settled again, and um, you can see how, how fuming he was that, that they conceded that goal against um, against Arsenal late on. So I just think they're going to be um, adamant that they're going to try and get that clean sheet in this in this game. Adrian's first clean sheet, so I'm going to go for a two nil Liverpool victory, a goal in each half. By no means a, an easy victory, but I just think that we'll we'll have a little bit too much quality for them. Um, pretty much all over the pitch. Be a struggle with, with Barnes. Obviously, it's going to be a tough game to Ben Van Dyke and they're going to have to be switched on from, from the start. So, I just think, yeah, Liverpool 2-0 and uh, just too strong for, for the Burnley side who, who've done well this season. So, just before we go, I'd just like to say... Um, Big thanks to the Day Trippers for putting the podcast out. Also, the LFC Online 
Facebook and Twitter page, um, who've been retweeting and putting all our, our podcasts out on their platform. Also, don't forget to keep up to date with um, with Paul Bentley and his No More Knives campaign. I've seen um, a tweet today from Paul. He's, he's been in a meeting with the, the mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson. He seems to have been um, a very productive meeting to him. So hopefully um, a few more things moving in the, the direction of the, the No More Knives campaign from, from Paul and Lee Butler there. So big thanks to Gav and big thanks to Jay for, for joining me on the, the call tonight, lads. Cheers, mate. All the best, lads. Enjoy the game. Cheers, boys. So that's the cop table preview of the Burnley game all done. We will be back um, after the international break with our Liverpool versus Newcastle preview. Hopefully we'll get John uh, Richardson back on with us once again. He, he's been a regular with us in the past, so we'll um, we'll give him a, a little shout, see if he's available. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for all the comments into the, into the chat room tonight. And... Um, Stay tuned, and Gav's going to be doing his uh, Fat Back for daily podcast now. So uh, thanks very much, everybody, for listening, and uh, goodbye. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Sports Social Podcast Network.